Good morning and welcome. Really thankful to have everyone here today, whether you've uh, taken the time to be with here, us here in person. I understand that some of the in-person children are a little more jittery than they usually are. I have no idea what that's about, but if your children didn't get enough jittery stuff or if you missed out completely on chocolate and stuff, we had, uh, as you came into the Welcome Center, if you didn't see it, there's a bin on the floor. Uh, We actually gave away about five of those last night at the Trunk or Treat, and I'm going to say more about that. But uh, whether you or your children would like to grab a bag, pick up a bag and take it with it with you, and uh, that way you can be jittery all day long. Won't it be wonderful? Well, I don't know about at home on YouTube, but I'm betting there are a few jittery children there as well. We're really thankful that you chose to click and join us. We hope that at some point you might give us a like and that you might even subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're new to us, we would want to be sure and point you to our website, www.ljchurch.org. Very simple to remember. Uh, There you'll find lots of information that might be helpful to you, answering your questions, whatever it may be. Particularly, it will point you to our Facebook page, which uh, is a great uh, dialogue to get involved in. But also, we would encourage you and everyone to download the caring and sharing that you find there. If you're here, I hope you got a physical copy of it and can take a look at that. number of prayer uh, updates there, and you'll hear a couple uh, this morning uh, updated even from Friday's printing. So uh, please be sure and get your hands on that and, uh, and utilize it for your prayer life this week. want to be sure that each of you know uh, in our assembly together, we won't be passing a, a plate for our gifts, giving back to God, but instead... There's a box in the back and also a box for our our kids to make their kids gift. Uh, Again, I have a little more to say about that later. But um, and and you can also, whether you're on YouTube live with us or here, you're welcome to click that uh, uh, QR code there and it'll connect you to our online giving platform, uh, which you can take advantage of. Want to be sure you're aware it's in the caring and sharing, but uh, we are really thankful to have several of our members involved with Habitat for Humanity. They're going to be opening a new house on Fern Court coming up fairly soon, and we have the opportunity, the blessing, to serve lunch to those people who are build there on the build site and volunteering. And so, if you and that'll be this Friday, if you would like to help out with that in any way, contact Joyce Chapa. Joyce, would you mind just letting them know where you are? Which, you know, Joyce says, Alan, have I ever been anywhere else in this auditorium? So (laughs) that's her spot, and you can find her there. Speaking of Joyce Chapa, next Saturday, November the 7th, uh, our congregation will be hosting the Gulf Coast Ladies Bible Study, which is an area-wide Bible study that happens once a month. Uh, It has, thus far this year, been an online event, Zoom, Uh, but we have... uh, got some technology in place and feel like uh, we have a good opportunity, lots of space to spread out in our fellowship center. So if you would like to be here live, in fact, we would invite you and encourage you to be here live if you would be. We think it'll be an enhancement to the online experience for there to be a number of people here. Thankful for Joyce working up her lesson, but also thankful to Tricia for being volunteering to lead our singing that day. So Let's all be praying that good things will come about uh, not only from the message that Joyce has, putting our trust in God, but also the fellowship that occurs through that event. 
I said I was going to come back to it real quickly. I just want to thank a a good number of people who got involved in our trunk or treat, mostly just how, how overwhelmed we were with the amount of candy that all of you came and brought, and it was even on Friday when we were packing, people were bringing more more stuff in. And then I also want to thank there were seven six seven folks who came and provided a trunk for us, and uh, just appreciate that. Had some volunteers in addition to that. Just good things going on again. Whole lot of folks from our neighborhood. It's just it's just quite remarkable to engage in conversations in these things. People tell I live down the street. I've, I, pl- I re- rode my bike in your parking lot when I was growing up, and things came to the gap. Best costume of the night, in my opinion, was a little boy who had a, a, a T-shirt, and you couldn't tell it when he was far off, but it said serial killer, except as opposed to an S, it was a C, and he had little boxes of cereal all over his T-shirt. I, I really thought that one was good. And on that note, let's begin our worship together. Won't you please stand with me? They bring a different meaning. Gary and Corliss Hicks are here. Everybody welcome Gary and Corliss. I believe this is their first time back in a while. We're really glad that y'all feel like you could be here. I've changed a couple of words. In Psalm 118 it says, uh, let Israel say. And Israel for us today is his people. We are part of Israel. Amen? And then it says, and let uh, the, the, the Aaron's family, to, to and that's the priests, and... 1 Peter chapter 2 says, we are a royal priesthood. So you'll hear just slightly different words there. You'll speak slightly different words, hopefully with more meaning behind them. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Let his people say. Now you need to build, build with me, okay? Let his royal priesthood say. Let all those who fear the Lord say. His steadfast love endures forever. Won't you come together and worship? I stand to praise you, but I fall. Fire in my heart again. I 
missed at this time. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? Who else can make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness tremble? said. Um, this is very much out of uh, pattern, um, but we are uh, have been for a couple of years now taking each month and celebrating a particular mission effort, either a missionary who we support on the field or possibly a larger organization that does mission efforts, both foreign and here locally. This year, things have been different. Somebody say... Things have been different, and we have had a month dedicated to COVID response. We particularly have highlighted um, Mike Baumgartner's efforts last month as he is helping folks recover from storms on the Gulf Coast. Um, therefore, so that uh, none of our, particularly our four located missionaries that we support with our, our church budget, uh, therefore making sure that none of them get overlooked this year, uh, each week, 
during November, we're going to highlight a different uh, mission effort. This morning, we're talking about Joaquin Reyes Parra in the Dominican Republic. If you're not aware, the Dominican Republic is on the island of Hispaniola, which is actually where Columbus first landed. In fact, you can visit where he touched uh, western soil for the very first time in the Dominican Republic. It is an island that is shared with Haiti, and we have missionaries on both ends of that island. But the line between Haiti and the Dominican Republic is a line that it changes, things change radically when you cross that imaginary line. Joaquin is a dedicated servant of the Lord. In many ways, he, to me, is very reminiscent of a modern-day Paul. Not because he writes long theological treaties, but because he plants churches. When you look at his Facebook page or if you interact with him at all online, you see very few pictures of Joaquin. What you see is pictures of, for the most part, unsupported uh, church leaders um, acting in their little community home churches often, but not always, acting, and, and him, his role is supporting those. We're up to approximately seven or eight of those now that he makes regular rotations through, active congregations about the business of spreading the gospel, most of which, when they first started, were a church plant by Joaquin and his wife in the picture, Arcelina. In addition to that, one of the things that our church supports, particularly through our kids' gift, and this is why, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, have children at home, grandchildren at home, we really need to be cognizant as the year kind of comes to a close that we're making regular gifts into the kids' gift bucket because the kids' gift bucket goes directly to two schools that Joaquin established and supports. And make no mistake, our kids' gift donations do not cover the expenses of those schools. One school is for Haitian refugees, children who speak Creole if exclusively, if not primarily. Uh, they are there, and um, if we think in terms of, of the vulnerability of illegal immigrants in America, make no mistakes, in the Dominican Republic, that vulnerability is multiplied tenfold. And these are children, oftentimes children whose parents have been deported back to Haiti. They are there basically as homeless children. They are given a uniform, and they are served two meals a day, probably the only two meals that they will get. In addition to that, there's a preschool for Dominican children to give them a little bit of a head start uh, to help them be able to work, make their way into the Dominican public school system. Also, there's a fair bit of support that's needed because you can't attend the Dominican, quote, public schools unless you have a uniform. And not everybody can afford a uniform, and he helps with that. He would want us to be particularly aware. His kids are growing up. It's so great to see pictures of kids graduating. We've got a doctor in the family. We have, I think she's gotten her MBA now, his daughter, who, who works in the tourism industry, one of the m major industries in the Dominican Republic. Uh, but he would also want us to be aware that his wife has had some cardiac issues lately. She's taken to the hospital, and they've put her on some medicine. But... Um, for those of us who've been there and seen how much he depends on her support, uh, I know that he would want us to be praying for Arcelina as well.
Won't you join me in prayer? Our Father and our God, we want to thank you for the opportunity to gather as your people in your name in this place. We pray that our hearts that are turned to you would be simply a reflection of the way our lives 24-7, 365, and 66 days a year are given to you. That our worship today is a reflection of the larger part of our lives. Father, I want to lift up particular to, particularly to you today our missionary Joaquin. We want to lift him up and we want to thank you for our opportunity to be supportive of his efforts in the Dominican Republic. We want to thank you for every one of the, the churches that he's planted and the leaders that are in place there that he supports. We pray that they may each be filled with your spirit. May you give Joaquin the energy and endurance that he needs to support those congregations. We want to lift up the schools, the Haitian schools, and those incredibly vulnerable children. We pray that our dollars, while just a very small drop in the bucket, can be a representation of our care and our love for them. And maybe that even is translated into them having a sense that God is for them. Father, we lift up the Dominican school and the children that are there and just the incredible enthusiasm of those young people and the very special nature of what they do at the school and orienting them towards a, a world where God is active and moving and not simply the, the staid kind of statues that they find in the, in the state Catholic churches, but instead is a moving, active part of their lives. Father, we want to lift up our Selena. We want to pray your healing touch on her so that she can be a powerful, wonderful, and active partner in Joaquin's work. His, his ministry would not be the same without her help and her support. We want to pray for the children as they continue to grow. Above all, Father, we pray that, that Joaquin has a powerful sense of your hand that is with him and lifting him up, that he has a sense that your spirit is working alongside him. Pray that you would keep discouragement at bay and pray that our prayers, that you will take our prayers and make them part of the love and blessing that you've placed in his life. Father, we again thank you for the opportunity to be a congregation involved in this great work. We thank you for the reality of the resurrection of Jesus that gives us a gospel that Jesus is king and has defeated sin and death. And may that ring in everything that we do from missionaries on the field to our lives and our homes, our neighborhood and our work and in our community. We pray this in the name of the one who rose, Jesus Christ. And we all say, After saying all that, Alan, I was made aware. Joaquin is with us online today. So, hi to the Reyes family, and I uh, appreciate y'all joining us in worship service today. And what a blessed work he's doing over there. All things have passed away. Your love has saved the same. 
Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that have thought were dead are breathing in life again. You cause your sun to shine on darkest nights. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our, our hearts adore. The hopeless have found their hope. The orphans have had a home. All that was lost has found its place. our weary head. You make us strong instead. You took these rags and made us beautiful. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. I will be reading from Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 20. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. 
anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Preston. Two things before we get into the real meat of the sermon. Uh, if you are in one of our life groups, many of our life groups are studying First Peter, and this is a passage from chapter 2. If you listened to the uh, midweek update, you heard a little bit about this, that for the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, and that is governing authorities, whether it is the emperor who is supreme or the governors at all levels. Um, I don't know whether you would prefer to call us a democratic republic or a representative republic or what particular technical term. Sorry, it's been too long since I was in government class, and at least I think there's a little bit of debate about exactly how it's determined. A representative democracy is the other phrase. If we are to submit to the governing authorities, the governing authorities in our situation ask us, to vote. They do not tell us how to vote. They ask us to vote. And it would seem to me that if you have not already done that, that it is, by the way, the first line, for the Lord's sake that we are called to be people who step into the booth and vote. The way you vote should be less about what's comfortable and convenient for you and what is good for the whole. And let's just be sure and say, that is not easy. But it is what we are called to be. Linda, it is a joy to see you here today. I want to make um, you aware that Sharon has already passed this out to some of our children. If you uh, don't have your child or grandchild here and would like an extra copy, this is called 30 Days of Thankfulness. And every day of the month, starting on, today is the first. And, of course, Thanksgiving would be somewhere down here. But there's actually thankful days after Thanksgiving. Somebody say, hallelujah. And uh, I think you'll be blessed by this. Your children and you'll be blessed by this. If she runs out of copies before the day is done, she can email you one. So I just wanted to point you in that direction. The Bible is full of some crazy things. Somebody say amen. And it just seems that uh, the more we dig into it, we have these beautiful stories of redemption. And then every once in a while we just run into, uh, actually Scott McKnight, one of my favorite authors, calls it a blue parakeet. Uh, he lives in Chicago and he has a backyard full of birds, but none of them are blue parakeets. And one day a blue parakeet flew into his backyard and he said, you know, that gets your attention. And every once in a while... Every once in a while, maybe fairly often, if you read with diligence, you find a blue parakeet, you find something crazy. I, I was given a, a, uh, a, a encouragement card by a ladies' Bible study, all well-intentioned. By the way, very spiritual. They spend as much time prayer as, as anybody I knew handed to me and, and said, we, we believe this verse is for you. And it said, the Lord your God is among you. Lord God is with you to protect you and deliver 
to deliver your enemies to you. And, and man, you know, they prayed over me. They laid hands on me. It was a blessing. I was just kind of curious, though, because it had a citation, Leviticus. Uh, sorry, Deuteronomy. And, and Deuteronomy is an interesting place for that to come from. And so I, 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 just, I wanted to see the larger context, this beautiful story of how God is with his people and now he is going to, and if you know the Deuteronomy story, they're getting ready to go into the front, how he's going to drive out peoples in front of them and all those kinds of things. Now, I want you to know, in, as we begin to read this passage, I'm going to make absolutely no commentary on it, okay? When you're encamped against your enemies, so this is an immediate military encampment, skipping down to verse 12, you shall have a designated area outside the camp to which you shall go. With your utensils, you'll have a trowel. When you relieve yourself outside, you shall dig a hole with it and then cover up your excrement. Because the Lord your God travels along your camp to save you and to hand you over to your enemies. Therefore, your camp must be holy so that he may not see anything, or should I say step into anything, indecent among you and turn away from you. Is that crazy? Or is it just me? And yet, what's interesting is, what God said is something about your holiness is something that modern armies learned somewhere about the Civil War. If you don't take care of this, the war will not go well. And God made it a point of holiness. At some level, it was a little bit of a crazy thing that God let David and Solomon build a temple. Because there was a tabernacle, and that tabernacle connected them to those times in the desert when they roamed around. There's a certain extent to which replacing the tabernacle with the temple was almost a first step towards the idolatry that they got involved in. Because it pointed them to some sort of goal like, we have to do this earthly thing that's much more tangible. Make no mistake, Solomon's temple was a profound archaeological statement. And it was almost as if you could substitute profound archaeological human-made things for the power of a tabernacle with an altar with unhewn stones. But when David made the preparations and Solomon executed, and we have it recorded in the text, and again, nobody intended anything other than the very best, but it turns out to be a little bit of a crazy thing. In the midst of the temple are two very important things. The first of all was the outer court was surrounded by a place called the holy place. And into this holy place only priests could go and they would have to be cleaned properly and have the right kind of garb on they had to be the right people and not my i didn't make up the rules please don't blame me these were only males that could enter into that place but what you know is because you're good bible students you know that on the other side of a curtain the curtain by the way that when jesus rose from the dead Oh, excuse me, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil, the curtain was torn from top to bottom. That curtain on the other side of that was a place called, say it for me, Holy of Holies. That is a way you say one thing's holy and this is even holier-esque. Yes? Again, a process of great cleansing. 
sacrifices made on the part of the priest who was to go in there. But what you need to know about most of that, that purification ritual that had to take place, really had very little to do with. There was a confession of sin, and they were laid on the animal that was sacrificed for the priest. But it didn't really have a whole lot to do with where his heart was and how his life was lived. Instead, these were rituals to set him apart. Rituals to say the things that surround God are very, very special. Special to be near the, the, the temple at all. Extra special to go into that inner court. Extra super special to go into the holies of holies. We're told once a year. Apparently, there developed a tradition where the person who went in there, you tied a rope to them because if they weren't acceptable, they might just die right there. And because nobody could go in there and nobody wanted to die in that process, you had to pull them out with a rope. I kind of think that they hadn't read their Bibles well because what we know is that Daniel, uh, not Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and his friends were tied up with ropes when they were thrown into the fire and God's holiness rescued them, including burning the ropes off them that they were bound with. So I'm not sure. We don't have any record of anybody being dragged out by the rope, but I'm not sure that it would have worked because if God took them, I'm also not sure that there would have been much left. left. It was a crazy kind of place. But there's, this is not the only place that holy things happen or where things are called holy. You have read the story where Moses encounters the self-described I am. I am that I am. In that bush that was on fire but wasn't being burned up. If you have access to the movie The Prince of Egypt, I find that to be one of the most powerful kind of representations of what's going on there in several different ways. I realize it's animated. I think sometimes with God's stuff, animation is more effective about actually telling us what happened than trying to do some sort of live-action special effects. It was at this place that Moses was told to take off his shoes because it was holy ground. It doesn't appear to be some place that he was supposed to go back to on a regular basis. It doesn't appear that somehow or another Moses was supposed to go through some sort of purification ritual to get there. It doesn't appear several things, but God said you're on holy ground. And I think that we have to determine that holiness is about the proximity of the Lord. If God is there, it's holy. I told him to take off his shoes. I have a little tradition when I preach at camps now that when I preach at camps I take off my shoes because I, I kind of have a sense that preaching at camp is an is a extraordinary holy place because you have an opportunity with young people's hearts and the evidence and the, and the uh, surveys, the, the data points back to camps being a very significant place where children's lives are changed and that you would be chosen to speak is holy ground. And so, I not only preach in my shorts, which you are never granted the blessing of, but I preach barefoot. And it's this story that defines that. But you might ask, why would we talk about being holy or holiness 
in the midst of a series about the church that we're calling the fellowship. Because I think in a big way, you and I have this idea that holiness is just a very personal thing. In fact, in our society, we have developed the theology that says that my holiness is my business and don't you ask me about it. It doesn't matter that the Bible calls us to confession one to another. It doesn't matter that the Bible says be a repentant people. And repentance will always kind of call us to, to make a proclamation of repentance. Instead, we want to say that my holiness, my holiness, my holiness is my business. Don't mess with it. But I think that is contradictory to what the New Testament and, in reality, in concert with the Old Testament, says about holiness. I'm going to read from 1 Peter passage that again if you're in life group you may have heard about and talked about some come to him the living stone though rejected by mortals yet chosen and precious in God's sight and like living stones and I love the, the connection here right Jesus is the living stone and we are like him we are also living stones he is the living stone we are the living stones let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And skipping down to verse 9, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, God's own people in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. These are powerful words. They're words that we put on bumper stickers, right? They're words that we kind of make monikers of, of what we're about and what we're doing. They are words that in one sentence make us think, wow, look what God wants to do with me and then in the next sentence it makes us kind of oh wait a minute not sure I'm good enough not sure I'm holy enough because the holiness business is just about me if you go all the way back to the passage that Preston read you are the light of the world as with most of the time that you is used in the New Testament it is not a singular you all so Jesus speaks to the entire crowd, but I think in a very particular sense, Matthew records it for us and preserves it for us, and it's passed on to us to speak to his church. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And Jesus says, I didn't come to replace the law or to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And then those incredible words. Your righteousness to ex needs to exceed that of the Pharisees. And what I can promise you is that if you want to think about your own individual, personal, little world, you will never, because you don't have concepts about separation like the Pharisees had about separation. You'll never get there. But if instead of thinking about my little small world and this idea of this moral sort of sense of I'm going to be different than everything else. I'm going to separate myself. I'm going to keep myself away from. As opposed to that, if we think of holiness is how close we can get to God. Then maybe 
maybe we can be a little more like what God wants us to be than the Pharisees. Notice that these words from 1 Peter aren't if words. If you get yourself all put together and everything's aligned exactly right, and particularly the way we think about it, if I get all my stuff in an order and I get it all right, then I can be. The proclamation is that you, the new Israel, the church of God, are his royal priesthood. You are his holy people set apart set apart so that you can attest to his marvelous wonderful deeds and his light in a world of darkness powerful stuff it all kind of flows out of that verse from leviticus yes we're preaching out of leviticus today leviticus 19 2 where it says speak to all the congregation of the people so again This is not really about you getting your little life all in line with things, but instead speak to the whole congregation of people and say to them, you, as God's people, will be holy. For I, the Lord, your God, say it with me, please, am holy. Now maybe our biggest problem, and I've already alluded to this, is having more of a bit... Our biggest problem is that we don't have as full a biblical view of holiness as we should because I think most of us think about it in this way. Holiness equals moral purity. We think that we've got to get all the dots and all the, the crossing the T's of every single moral issue. And, and again, be sure and say, in our personal life, aligned with what God wants, what pleases God for us to be holy. And there is something to think about there. We'll come back to in a minute. But when we read the Bible, what the Bible talks about more than just moral purity is that holiness is greater than. Greater than moral purity. Should the idea of moral purity flow out of our desire to be holy? Yes. But it should it be the ultimate goal? I would actually say... No, largely because you've taken your arrow and you've aimed it too low. You see, to be holy is about the idea of being fully devoted to God. Being holy is about being fully devoted to God. God said to Moses, Take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground. And I want to be sure and say, it didn't have anything to do with that dirt being different. By the way, the plant was a little different because God did something with it. But what really happened was an encounter. To a certain extent, we have to say almost a face-to-face encounter with God. In which God was calling Moses, whose life had taken a very distinct track, and he called him to say, no, 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 no. I want you to go in an entirely different direction. You have adapted a life of hiding, and I am going to put you as my number one spokesperson on the number one stage in the world. You're going to have to be completely mine. Now, Moses argued. Moses fought. Moses wasn't sure he wanted to do those kinds of things. And I think we can understand that if we're honest with ourselves. 
But it wasn't about Moses getting his life all lined up and getting all the T's crossed. It was about Moses deciding that he wanted to be all that God wanted him to be. And that Moses being all that God wanted him to be was going to lead to a nation being everything that God desired for them to be. Did they accomplish that goal? No. Largely because people couldn't. God needed to. But if we understand the idea of being fully devoted to God, I want to say specifically that it is always going to be less about avoiding the don'ts and more about embracing the do's. I want you to take that one in. I'm going to say it again. Being fully devoted to God and being fully devoted to God is about being? Being fully devoted to God is about being holy. Is less about avoiding the don'ts and more about embracing the do's. I distinctly remember in my life when this truth came and hit me right in the heart. I was in a youth group Bible study. I was in eighth grade, and we were studying 1 John. I probably have told this story to you before because it was a big part of my witness. Because if you're in the light and you walk in the light, then God is with you and, and, and your life is what it's supposed to be. And I said, but I don't know that I'm always in the light. And, and the person leading the Bible study, his name was Daryl Green, said, no, 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 no. This isn't about getting everything straightened out. It's about making the point of your compass God, walking in the light, staying on the path. The path I want to follow is God's path. And then he said, and doing what God wants you to do is way more about doing what he calls us to as opposed to avoiding the things that he says to avoid. Notice Jesus what is the greatest command? And they said it really well for you on YouTube. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, with all of you. And love your neighbor as yourself. It is interesting to me that none of these are included in the ten. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. You'll have no other gods before me. Don't worship any idols. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't covet. Don't commit adultery. I think I messed one out. But I'm pretty close, right? Lots of don'ts. But what it leads with is... And sometimes we don't count this as the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I want you to know who I am above all other things. I want you to hold me up and keep me sacred. I want nothing to take my place in this world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Tell me. I'm going to tell myself of the things that kind of entangle me and things that aren't pleasing to God in my own life. What I know is it is if I loved God a little more, they would be less part of my life. 
I invite you to ask that same question. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, he encompasses everything that the Ten Commandments say about not murdering, not stealing, not committing adultery. If we love our neighbor, if we love the other, at least as much as we love ourselves and possibly even lifting them up as greater, then we don't struggle with those kinds of things. Somebody say, amen. When we look at Paul's lists of things that we need to avoid, we're all very quick to point out, oh yeah, yeah, he says sexual immorality, immorality is bad. He said drunkenness is bad. He says all these things that are real easy for us to kind of point at and say, look at all the things those people are doing wrong. And yet in those same lists, before you're done with them, is things like greed. Things like loose talking. Because what he knows is, is that in the audience that he's speaking to, there are people who come from a varied group. And you can do some research on the Greek Roman lifestyle, the Hellenistic lifestyle, and make no mistake, it was saturated in sexuality. And some of these people that had come straight out of going to, when they worshiped God, that included having sex with a prostitute. It was about how many prostitutes at the temple you could have sex with. It was about your life. To show how powerful and great you were was also equated with how many different people you could dominate sexually. Your relationship with your wife for procreation was its own little thing over here on the side because there was this other thing that said I am stronger, more powerful and I honor the gods of power and might by participating in sexuality. Any kind of sexuality that I want to. And these people are sitting at a table having the Lord's Supper with good Jews who've never eaten the wrong thing, have never gone to the wrong places, and have never hung around with people who would do anything like that. Why in the world are they at this table? Because they found Jesus Christ. But see, when you flip the card on the Jews, see, they have done so much work at being separate from all those things that it's just so easy for those of us in the church to kind of point out and say, what's wrong with those people? Preacher, why don't you preach more on what's wrong with those people? Is that the Jews struggled with things like greed and pride and arrogance. Legalism. None of us would struggle with any of those kinds of things. But instead, what God says, you know what, if you want to make your life closer to me, if you will think about how to love me and how to love others more. Powerful passage from Ephesians chapter 4. I beg you, and who's the you? I beg y'all, all of you who've come to know Christ, to lead a life worthy of the calling you have received. A calling to be a royal priesthood. A holy nation. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know what? When Paul calls me to live a life worthy of the calling, I'm way more comfortable with him saying, and be sure that you call out sexual immorality. Be sure that you call out homosexuality. Be sure that you call out transgender issues. Be sure that you call out those people that are hung up on drugs and can't seem to get their life straight without some sort of pill or some sort of drink or something to smoke. Because those are the things that we can kind of sit smugly and say, yep, yep, yep. But instead, if you want to be holy as I am holy, if you want to live a life worthy of the calling, humbleness and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love. And then this one, that at least for me is as much an accusation as anything. And to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace among all God's people. I want to be holy. To be a holy nation, very quickly, three things. First, this is an again because I've said this before. It must be more about we than just me. That is to say that we can't make this an individual struggle. First of all, if the Holy Spirit works anyway, he works inside the body of Christ. Amen? And the Holy Spirit is what's going to help us be transformed into what God wants us to be. And so if we're not in relationship with each other, how in the world are we going to become more of what God wants us to be? The idea of confession and repentance is powered by the idea that I have Christian brothers and sisters that are going to walk with me and hold me up and help me get down the road. Besides that, God's way more concerned with the image that our body presents, that is to say our congregation, that we as a part of Christian kingdom throughout the world make than just one single one of us. Secondly, to be a holy nation, we've got to spend time discerning love God with all we are. We've got to figure out who God is. And you can't do that by reading everything. You need to spend time in the Gospels reading about Jesus because that tells us who God is more than anything. But you also need to spend time in the Old Testament reading those stories about what God did among his people because we need to learn who God is if we're going to love God with our all. Finally, Number three, finding more ways to better love. Forgive me, brother, didn't have any more room. Our brothers and our sisters. Because if we can find more ways to invest in ourselves in lifting others up and blessing others, I can promise you that we'll have less and less time to be distracted by the things that want to pull us in another direction. The things that God over and over again has said, that's going to hurt you, that's going to hurt your witness, and that's going to separate you, get you further from me.
finding more ways and better ways to love your brothers and sisters. The invitation today is to lead a life as a community, as a community that is worthy of the calling you have received. Coming out of baptism, having been filled by the Holy Spirit, having put our brokenness away through the blood of Christ, and joining in his fellowship, God says, you are a holy nation. You are mine. If you need to take any step in that direction, and we can help you publicly, this is the time to come. If you are online, the number is there, and we will respond to that message. But let's stand. And by the way, let's not let a single one of us not think, how can I be closer, more devoted to God? Let's stand and let's sing. Be like the blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing and care. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasure. Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as a heart. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stand thy own Loving, forgiving, tender and kind Helping the helpless, clearing the fainting Speaking the wandering sinners who find Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee Blessed Redeemer, pure as our heart Come in thy sweet
morning. You can get a basketball for about $15 at Academy. And in my hands, it's worth about $15. But in the hands of LeBron James, it's worth about 30 to $40 million. It depends whose hands it's in. A football in my hands may not even be worth what it's worth in the store of about 10 to $12. In Peyton Manning's hands, it's worth about 50 to 60 million. It depends whose hands it's in. A golf club is definitely not worth $50 that you can get from the store in my hands. It's more of a security thing than a sport thing for me. Um, but in the hands of Tiger Woods, it's worth about $80 million. It depends whose hands it's in. If I had a stick or a rod in my hands, I might be able to beat away a wild animal coming at me. But you put it in the hands of Moses, and it parts the Red Sea. You put a slingshot in my hand, and it's a toy. But you put it in the hands of David, and he slays a giant with it. You see, it depends whose hands it's in. Two fish and five loaves of bread would feed me with a little bit of bread left over. But you put that in the hands of Jesus, and it feeds thousands. If you put two nails in my hands, I might be able to fix a fence or something, put a piece of wood on something else. But you put those in the hands of Jesus. And it gives us salvation and eternal life for all those who trust him and love him and obey him. You see, it depends whose hands they're in. You see all these worries and these concerns, the cares that you have that stresses your life out. If you leave them in your hands, that's exactly what they are. But you put them in the hands of Jesus, you put them in the hands of God, and he's going to see you through it. He's going to take care of all these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starts in verse 23, reads, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after, he, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread and, or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, uh, sorry, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. We're told to examine ourselves. Look at what we've done. Because we need to put our lives in the hands of God. When we put our lives in the hands 
of our God, there is no better place for us to be. And when Jesus opened his arms, he opened his hands for our sin, for our salvation, for us to have a relationship with him. Even Jesus on the cross said, into your hands, speaking to God, into your hands I commit my spirit. So as we partake of the Lord's Supper, I want to encourage you to place yourself in God's hands because there is no better place for it, for you. Will you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you for this opportunity to to come together and commune with one another, to come into your presence, to enter your hands and be in your care. We thank you for stretching out your arms and stretching out your hands for our salvation. Father, I want to thank you for the, the reminder that we are forgiven when we give our lives to you and we constantly ask for that forgiveness. Father, I want to thank you for the body of Jesus that was broken on that cross for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offered offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray for the cup. Father, again, we come before you and we are so thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross. We thank you for the blood that was poured out and the life that was given in our stead. Father, we do ask for your forgiveness. We ask for you to right the wrongs in our lives. Help us become the people you want us to be. Help us shine who you are through us in our everyday lives. We thank you again for the blood that was poured out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may de the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once again, we're not going to be taking up a collection plate at this time. I do want to encourage you to uh, give online through the church app. We have a box in the Welcome Center. Um, there are many opportunities for you to be able to give back, but I would like to pray at this time for the collection. Our Father, we do thank you for the many gifts you give us. I want to thank you for the cooler weather and the seasons, how it's changing. And Father, I know all those change happens in the season, you remain the same forever. We thank you for your constant loving, your constant forgiveness, your constant love and support. God, we want to thank you for the things you've blessed us with. We thank you for our homes, the clean water for most of us, and we thank you for the, the gifts that you've blessed us with that we do take for granted. 
We ask, Father, that you receive these gifts that we're giving back to you, that you've blessed us with. May you multiply it like you did with the fish and the bread so that your kingdom will be known throughout the world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning and welcome to everyone, uh, everyone that's here in person, everyone that's joined on the live stream. I really appreciate y'all being here this morning. Uh, so I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about there was an election this week, so I'm going to talk about there's an election this week. I'm going to stick with Alan and I'm not going to tell you how to vote. Uh, I am going to tell you my experience with elections is it's kind of like a, like a Dallas Cowboy game and after the game. About half the people in the country are happy and about half the people in the country are sad. Maybe I got the percentages a little wrong, but, but, but regardless of the outcome, there, there's going to be people that think the right thing that was done. There's going to be people that think the wrong thing was done. Uh, and that's a little bit kind of goes in with, with Alan's lesson this morning about, uh, about holiness. If your definition of right for the country uh, or your definition of holiness for yourself is more along the lines of Alan said of how right can I be, then that's necessarily going to cause some kind of division because it's going to, it's going to point out how wrong someone else can be. And, and so there's a certain, there's a certain if, if you're in the right and you're practicing your rightness as right as you can, then there's a certain value to that. But that's not, that's not true and pure holiness. Uh, what Alan pointed out to us was really holiness is about how close to God we can get. That, that's, never, that's never a dividing thing. Uh, so uh, countries are great things. I'm very proud to be an American. I think we've got the best thing going. Uh, and I don't say that to, to put down any other country. I do think there's probably better ways of doing things and worse ways of doing things, and we'll struggle through that. Uh, let it be an encouragement to you, though, that, that there is a holy nation that we're a part of, and there's nothing disunifying about that holy nation, and that by drawing close to God, we'll get there together as a group. A nation is not an individual. It's, it's a group. Uh, thank you, Alan, for that lesson this morning. I do have several uh, announcements that weren't in the uh, caring and sharing. Uh, Kevin McBrayer has tested positive for COVID-10. It says 10. I, I'm thinking it's COVID-19. <laughs> uh, he's in Kansas now, if you don't know Kansas City. Uh, he's at home this time with some symptoms. Also, uh, received word that April Barton, who we've been praying for because of an accident, well, because of that accident, it's come to light that she has a hole in her heart. They're going to have a uh, surgery on Wednesday to repair that. So it's a praise that they found that. Uh, we want to be in prayer that the, that the uh, surgery goes well and that there's healing. Also, we need to remember Carol, uh, Carol Russell in all of this. There's a lot going on in her life, and, and let's just pray that she would be strengthened and able to be a support in all of this and just pr a praise to God for how positive an attitude that she's kept through all of this. Also just received a uh, word that uh, Dave Newberry, which is uh, Joyce Lewis, Lewis's nephew, uh, had, had two recent emergency brain surgeries uh, within the last two and a half weeks. 
Uh, he's out of ICU just now, going to a regular room. Uh, Dave is a uh, gospel preacher and a longtime uh, missionary in several foreign fields, and we want to remember him uh, in our prayers as well. Uh, also, uh, where are we at? Uh, giving back to God. Uh, I don't want to. Peter Peter gave you details on how we can do that. Also, there's a handy dandy QR code that you can hit. Uh, more what I want to say about that is uh, thank you for your continued participation in that. In times like this, it's easy to say the economy's not quiet. I'm not. I'm worried about my personal money and hold back. It would be easy to say it's not convenient to give because there's no basket coming along in front of me. Uh, this church has done a very good job of continuing to give through through this and not taking those as as reasons not to give. And because of that, God's ministry is able to keep working here in Lake Jackson. And I just want to say thank you and commend you for, for the way you've continued to give. Uh, also, it's in the uh, caring and sharing, but I want to point out that there is a uh, youth retreat coming up. Uh, I want to encourage everyone that's eligible to participate in that to participate in that. And the thing that's in the very smallest print up there is probably the most important thing. Sign up deadline November 1st. And I checked my calendar this morning and it's November 1st. So get, get signed up for that and participate in that. It's a good bit of effort goes into putting that together, but it's well worth it and it would be a great thing for you to participate in. Uh, also remember uh, life groups are meeting. Uh, if you want to participate in a life group and, and you don't know how to do that, uh, reach out and contact somebody uh, because there's several in-person and Zoom and hybrid things going on that there's a life group available for you. Okay, if you would, uh, uh, join me in prayer at this time. Father, we want to humble ourselves before you, and Father, we want to acknowledge that... Uh, we want to acknowledge that we've been guilty of pursuing our own way of doing things, that we've been guilty of, of trying to be self-righteous, for no other better word, Father. And we, and, uh, we realize that, that we're guilty of that and that, that we can't be righteous in your eyes except through the blood of Jesus, Father. And we thank you that you have poured that blood out upon us that you have cleansed us from our sins, that you have redeemed us and made us your children. And, Father, we just pray that, uh, that you would uh, help us to empty ourselves of ourselves even more so that you could fill us more with your Holy Spirit. And, Father, that we could truly draw close to you and that we could uh, bind ourselves together into a holy nation that would be, uh, be pleasing to you, Father, but also be something that you can use here to do your ministry and your work here on this earth, Father. Father, we want to uh, lift up those members uh, that, that have requested prayers, that they are in need of prayer. And Father, we know that you are the healer. We know that you are the strengthener. We know you are the God that can provide whatever it is that we need. And Father, for these people, we ask for that. For Kevin, for April, for Dave, for those, uh, Jeff and Kelly and Dara and Scott and Maria and Dee and Candy and Jesse and Sandra. Bernice, the Garrett's father, we ask for healing. We ask for strength. We ask that you would uh, sustain us. That's really what we're asking, Father. You sustain our life. We ask that you would uh, strengthen us and sustain us in all ways. Father, we pray that uh, you would be with us as we go through this week, that you would put opportun opportunity in front of us to spread your gospel. And, Father, we pray that you would uh, 
strengthen us and encourage us with boldness that we would do that when that opportunity does arise. Father, this is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would, if you and are present, would you stand and sing while we sing the closing song? Thank you. For thou, O Lord, art.